0: Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zettner Geology Podcast, episode 58, Swakane Nice. Thanks for joining us. Hey, man, we're still in central Washington. I mean, physically, I'm in central Washington. I guess you know that by now, Ellensburg, Washington. But we're talking about a very important bedrock Unit that's exposed just north of Wenatchee, Washington today. Have you heard of Wenatchee before? It's on the Columbia River. It's not that far from Ellensburg as the crow flies, kind of to the northeast as the crow flies up and over Mission Ridge. But when you drive, you can't drive straight to Wenatchee from Ellensburg, so you got to go up and over Blewett Pass and that's U.S. 97, and then you drop down to U.S. 2, and by the time you're in Wenatchee, it's like an hour and 20 minutes later. It's almost like going to Seattle, basically. And there's another route to go to Wenatchee, which is heading over on Interstate 90 to the east. You cross the Columbia River Advantage, and then you work your way up to Quincy and on through that way. So you're like, hey... I'm listening from Buenos Aires. I don't give a damn how you drive to Wenatchee. How about you get on with the program? Well, okay. Point taken. And, uh, you know, there's always a couple preambles here before we get to it. One of the preambles is I continue to hear from people uh, from all over the world who listen to this audio podcast. Uh, I'll never get over that. But I'm, I'm mentioning it again today because uh, each email I get, or each—I don't know how else you're doing it—you're tweeting me, or I don't know—I kind of forget. Um, it it helps me kind of get a sense of who's listening. It in that. You're like, well, of course, man, it's a podcast. You just put it out there and you don't really know who's listening. Well, you know, there's ways to do it. You go to the analytics and you figure out who's listening. Well, 13% of the listeners are from Russia or whatever. Uh, I typically don't do that. And I I mention it here because I've been live streaming my Geology 101 classes, uh, as I mentioned last time. And, you know, everybody kind of checks in at the beginning and I say good morning to folks and, and uh, to see all those countries and uh, males and females and old and young and, you know, you kind of get a pretty good sense of who who's around. You, I don't tailor what I do necessarily to a specific age group or whatever. But um, my point is in these pandemic times when there are no live audiences, you um, you start to wonder sometimes who's out there. Well, the live stream thing, it's clear who's out there. And I guess what I'm saying is, uh, I've been enjoying, uh, and really been fascinated by who you are listening to the audio podcast and where you are and whether you're in a taconite mine in Minnesota and working a long shift and listening to these, or you're hiking beneath Saddle Rock uh, in Wenatchee and you're rounding a corner and And what I'm talking about happens to correspond to saddle rock and zircons. Some gal mentioned that the other day. I thought that was cool. Those specific visuals are helpful to me, and and, uh, so thanks, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay, Um, a geological preamble to this uh, topic is to kind of go back and remind ourselves just briefly what we were doing in the last episode. The Crystalline Core was the most recent episode, and here we are talking about the Swakane Nice. Yeah, it's pronounced that way, by the way. Um, And so, um, in the Crystalline Core, one of the main concepts was the Napiqua Schist, the Cascade River Schist, the Skagit Nice. Do you remember now? Those three units did this mysterious, I used that word so many times, I overused that word last time, did this really weird um, dunking, deep dunking, down the geologic elevator is what I said. And we know that those rocks, before they became schists, uh, were hanging out close to the surface because of their original origin. Dumb because of what they were originally, chert, ophiolite, andesite, diorite, turbidites, shale. I'm just looking at protoliths. In other words, the rocks that um, that existed before they became schists and uh, gneisses. Uh, but the idea is, from last episode, that it uh, looks like... Uh, that deep plunge going down the geologic elevator in the crystalline core, the timing of that's very important, and I think it's still kind of being worked out. But in general, the deep plunge began shortly after 100 million years ago, in other words, younger than 100 million years ago, in response to a major tectonic collision with the insular superterrain, and then, equally impressive, the stuff comes all the way back up. And so we develop developed these metamorphic rocks down there deep, greater than 40 miles below the surface in many cases, and then we bring it all back up. Okay, well, and specifically with the Skagit Nice, which is the most um, uh, recent featured exotic terrain, the Skagit Nice was originally chert, basalt, and granite material, that was created between 240 and 210 million years ago. I'm looking at a cheat sheet from one of the live streams I did in my front porch, by the way. I just did a screen grab. No big deal. And I'm looking at it on a a laptop screen. All right, so between 240 and 210, this stuff's being made back in the Mesozoic. And then drop the stuff way deep, develop nice, the Skagit nice, so the gneiss used to be chert, basalt, and granite. I'm setting you up for the Swakane, by the way. And when it's down there, there's all these metamorphic minerals and these foliations, these squirrely folia- foliations in the uh, in the Skagit gneiss, both ortho gneisses and banded gneisses. Uh, I see the note here. It's 22 miles deep to form the Skagit gneiss. And then between 70 and 50 million years ago, the stuff comes back. Oh, shit, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh! All right. <laughs> Sorry. In the case of the Skagit Nice, this stuff goes down the geologic elevator between 70 and 50. So, yes, technically that's younger than 100, but it's a little, little younger than I remembered. Go down the geologic elevator with the Skagit Nice to make the Skagit Nice between 70 and 50 million years ago. And then it pops way back up. And pop is the wrong word because we gotta, we got to ascend on this geologic elevator going up 22 miles in just a few million years. It's looking like between 50 and 45 million years ago, this stuff comes up. Now, I don't have details for you, uh, certainly uh, just off the cuff in my head with my eyes closed, and and uh, even if I did a bunch of reading to prepare for this podcast, good one. Yeah, like I would ever do that. I'm not sure that would be uh, readily available either, but... As I learn more about the North Cascades and the crystalline core, which is a certainty in the next few years as I work with this uh, new research team, I'll have more specific evidence, I think, for these dates. I know I will. Uh, The going down between 70 and 50 and the going up between 50 and 45. Okay, well, before I lose my train of thought, which is likely, if we leave the crystalline core in the North Cascades, featuring mainly the Skagit Gneiss, and we jump to today's topic, which is a much smaller area. The Swakane Gneiss nice is only exposed in a few places. Most famously, um, on the drive north from Wenatchee, on the... let's get them confused. You can drive to... Wina- you can drive to Chelan from Wenatchee on either side of the Columbia River. Drive north from Wenatchee, Washington. You're gonna, your, your destination is Chelan, Washington, a resort community, Lake Chelan, etc. And I think it's, you're on US 97A if you're on the west side of the river, and you're on US 97 proper on the east side of the river. It's a beautiful, it's one of my favorite parts of Washington. The or, Most times of the year, the the. the the apple orchards, the fruit orchards are are majestic. They're spread out, this beautiful carpet. There's all these fruit stands. You stop and have some cider and some whatevers, and it's a you know, bunch of middle-aged women there with their checkbooks out, ready to just buy all sorts of stuff. Whatever, that was dumb. That was really dumb. Why did I say that? The Swakane Gneiss is exposed right along the river on both sides of the river, immediately north of Wenatchee. For the three and a half people listening who know the Wenatchee area, I'm talking about um, well, hell, you're on you're on the west side of the river, and there's actual road called Swakane Road, I think a gravel road it doesn't go very far it kind of gets into some weird gated stuff and some private land and it's kind of ugly um but that's beautiful swakane there there's also a pullout uh overlooking the river it's a little spot where i think drug deals happen but uh, anyway uh or you have to use the restroom in, in an emergency fashion but it's a handy place to stop out bang on a few rocks if you can uh Avoid all the garbage and everything else. It's, it is weird, you know? We have these truly sacred places for more than 10,000 years, and it ain't sacred much more, baby. It's not sacred now by a lot of folks. We don't need to go there, but wow. Talk about manipulation of a landscape in just a few years. Okay, daddy's on a tangent. All right, let's get back. It's immediately north of Wenatchee where you can find this Joaquin gneiss. And the down geologic elevator business is, is timed perfectly with the Skagit. I'm talking about two gneisses now. There's a chance we're going to get significantly confused. I'm going to try my best to not get on another tangent and just stay on task for just a bit. The first major point of this episode is that the Skagit Nice and the Swakane gneiss are both gneisses that formed more than 20 miles below the surface. They both are uh, rocks that were taking protoliths, rocks that used to be metamorphic material, that were at the surface, and they go down starting roughly 70 million years ago. In the case of the Swakane, it's 74 million years ago. The geologic elevator starts going down. They're both down there for 20, 25 million years, and they both come back to the surface, geologic elevator going up between 50 and 45 million years ago. Why? Why? Why the down? Why the up? Don't know. And quite often it's me not knowing, and then when you dig in, you realize, okay, well, nobody really has it yet. And that's my hunch, although, you know, as I, as I say, I'll learn a little bit. So there's a spooky pair, a spooky, uh, it's more than coincidence that we're making both of these nices uh, at the same time, going down and going up. And you're like, well, why aren't they all just called the same nice then? Why is some called Skagit and why is some called Swakane? Aha! Here's why. The protolith of the Skagit gneiss is, again, 240 to 210 deep ocean chert, ocean floor basalt, and some old magmas from an island arc system that's granitic in composition. Whereas the protolith of the Swakane gneiss is sandstone, arcosic sandstone, that's younger than 100 million years old. Shockingly young is the original material that now is the Swakane gneiss. And, and also, another reason, just before I lose it, is the, the look. The look of the Skagit gneiss versus the Swakane gneiss, pretty much night and day. It's going to be hard for you to find a more beautiful metamorphic gneiss than a Skagit gneiss. Just, you know, not to be, uh, I mean, that's not very scientific of me, but it's beautiful stuff. I mean, all these elaborate foliations, these swirls and swoops and um, almost multiple generations of, of, of cooking and baking down there deep below 20 miles uh, depth. Whereas the Swakane gneiss is a handsome rock, I'm objectifying these rocks now. I feel bad. Not really. But there's hardly any foliation at all. Let me try to describe to you what the Swakane Nice looks like. It's kind of disappointing as far as um, the beauty of a metamorphic rock, and yet I'm breaking out a whole separate unit to, uh, episode to talk about the Swakane Nice because of its significance, which is where we're heading next. When you, look, when you have a hand sample of the Swakane, and I knew I was going to be doing some live streams uh, in the late fall about these crystalline core units. And so I went over to interview for the YouTube channel Ralph Hagerud in Wenatchee. And it was a super hot day, one of those hot, smoky days in August And uh, before I got done with the interview with Ralph, that was a good interview. I enjoyed that. That's on my YouTube channel if you want to hear from a guy who's done a lot of work in the North Cascades. But I went up to that little pullout north of Wenatchee, near Swakane Road. I think it's called anyway. And just took took a hammer with me and just broke off a bunch of pieces and brought them back and. I, I showed the hand sample of the Swakane Nice a fair amount in the live stream series in my front porch, whatever that was, late November, early December, maybe. And so here's what it looks like. It's it's It looks like a granite, weirdly. In other words, it's kind of a salt and pepper look rock. And the black minerals are almost all biotype mica, which Many of you know, biotite mica is a black, kind of flaky, flexible, shiny mineral. And if you find books of biotite mica, these huge blocks, or or, uh, they call them books because these these incredible flakes of biotite, uh, if the mineral grows really large, forms these, these biotite books, and you can find them up in the mountains. I've never stumbled into a place that has that, but... Sometimes the biotite books are enormous. They're truly like large textbooks, or bigger, bigger than that. But my point here is that if you look at a common granite, you'll find the black minerals oftentimes are these little individual flakes, very small now, sm- smaller than my fingernail. These little biotite specks. But it's a granite if those biotite minerals are randomly arranged. But in the case of the Swakane Gneiss, those biotites are beautifully arranged in little planes, little little sheets. I don't want to say layers because that ind- indicates sedimentary rocks, but it's banded. It's, it's, it's kind of like a faint striping or like a, almost like a zebra striping. And, and I'm talking about what it looks like inside the guts of a Swakane Nice. It's not these swoopy, swirly uh, things even though the swakane gneiss was also down at great depth for a significant amount of time. You'll see, if you Google swakane gneiss, you might want to Google swakane biotite gneiss. It's oftentimes called a biotite gneiss, meaning that that black mineral content is pronounced and so much biotite in the swakane gneiss that it shows up in the name, swakane biotite gneiss. The lighter colored minerals, so if it's a zebra kind of a thing, we got black and white minerals in there that are organized into these foliations. Pretty straightforward foliations again. I guess it's quartz and some feldspar. I can't really remember. Well, it must be a lot of feldspar because the protolith, remember, of the Swakane gneiss was our sandstone. Now, a little bit on sandstones. Who cares, really? Well, you know, this is a geology podcast, is it not? We haven't gotten to the good stuff yet. All I'm doing is describing the nuts and bolts of the Swakane gneiss before I really lay the heavy stuff on you. It's coming. Hang on now. And our cosic sandstone is a dirty sandstone, meaning that it, it's impure, meaning that it's not all the same kind of sand grouped together. Now, we're going back to between 93 and 81 million years ago when that original sandstone was being deposited. And that's the juicy part of the story. So we're, we're almost there to the juice today. The protolith of the swakane biotite gneiss was an arcosic sandstone deposited between 93 and 81 million years ago. Arcosic sandstone means it's a mixture of sand, quartz sand, feldspar sand, I guess biotite sand if you want to think of it that way. But it's not deep ocean. It's not Mesozoic deep ocean. That's a departure for us. So many of these exotic terrains to this point with these little uh, uh, audio episodes have a deep ocean story. That's not the case here. We're too young, 93 to 81 million years ago. It's a terrestrial story. This is sand that was deposited in North America someplace And then it goes down this geologic elevator, just like that deep ocean stuff went down the geologic elevator. And hence, not sure that's the right word. That's why this gadget nice looks so different from the Swakane nice. Okay, well, let's get to the more important and juicy part of the Swakane biotite nice story. Are you ready? Huh? What's that? Okay, you are. Good. There's a few grains of sand in the Swakane gneiss that are way, way older than the 93 to 81 million-year-old sand. In fact, some of those grains in the Swakane gneiss are far older than the Skagit protolith material, which again was as old as 240 million years ago. In fact, there's some grains in the swakane biotite gneiss nice that are older than 600 million years old, Precambrian. I'm talking about zircon now. We've talked about zircon off and on, durable minerals, the size of a grain of kosher salt, and they're just sprinkled in there, just like little grains of salt, just a little sprinkle of salt. Sprinkle of zircon, Precambrian zircon. And that's where we slow down and we go, okay, well, why? I mean, so far we had some sort of arcosic sandstone, some sort of a crumbled granite that, I, I don't know, I guess, it, I guess it was like sand that accumulated in central Washington, you're guessing now, between 93 and 81, and then the stuff goes down. We don't know why. The stuff comes back up. We don't know why. It's now swalkane nice. We don't know why. Well, we do, okay. But pre-Cambrian, there's more than a couple grains, by the way, What's up with the Precambrian stuff? All right. Well, how can I do it in ten minutes? Hmm. Now well, we'll try. I mentioned I'm part of this new research team. One of the gals is Stacia Gordon from University of Nevada Reno. She has had a number of grad students working on the crystalline core. I know I've mentioned this before. But there's some new work done on the Swakane nice by Kristen Sauer, S-A-U-E-R. I think that's, wait a minute now. Uh, let's just say Stacia's had some students and Stacia herself has been working with a bunch of these nices in the crystalline core. We're technically still in the crystalline core, by the way, since we're doing this down and up business. But they find these pre zircons, and what is the story? Now, they didn't come up, Stacia and her students did not originate this a concept, but they have added uh, a robust collection of data in the last 10 years from these nices to open up and, I guess, support, uh, support some ideas that have been around for a while. Why am I hesitating? I'm talking about frickin' Baja BC right now. Now, Baja BC, uh, to be honest, I can't remember how much we've talked about it so far in this series. I guess it doesn't matter. I can't remember. So I'll do it very quickly. The Baja BC concept is that portions of old bedrock in northern Washington were originally much further to the south much farther to the south whatever the right word is they always struggle there and farther to the south means okay well was this was the stuff in northern Washington originally in northern California okay I guess I could handle that oh wait what are you saying now some of the, rock, the bedrock that's old that's in the North Cascades in the crystalline core was down in Southern California. Hmm, okay, well, now I have more of a problem with that, I guess. I understand plate tectonics. This is you talking now. Oh, well, this just came in on the line. What's this coming into my ear right now, huh? Some of the stuff in northern Washington used to be in Mexico, Baja, Mexico, and a bunch of that stuff's now up in British Columbia. That's the B.C. part, Baja B.C. Taking stuff in Baja Mexico and sending it north more than uh, fifteen hundred miles, and so now it's 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 in British Columbia, but some of it's in Northern Washington. That so the Swakane biotite nice is a significant player player in this Baja B.C. debate that remains unresolved, that still has significant opposition. But those that have been following what I've been doing in the last couple of years know that I'm not only extremely interested in the Baja B.C. concept, because it has implications, of course, to stuff here in Central and Northern Washington, but because I've gotten to know most of the researchers who are still with us who have been proponents of this concept... Daryl Cowan, Merle Beck, less so Ralph Hagerud. And so I, I'm, I'm invested, and I try to be open and honest, and I try not to, you know, um, well, I just try to report to what I, what I learned and share my excitement. And so we'll finish this episode with the detail in the Swakane. Here's the punchline. Here's the cut. Here's the, just say it. Down in the Mojave Desert of Southern California, not far from Los Angeles, California, there are some schists. Now, that's unsatisfying. It'd be nice if they were, Ha. good one. It'd be convenient for us if there were actual shit. Oh, boy. I'm going to try to say right now, without stumbling any more, that there's a geologic match with the bedrock due north of Wenatchee, Washington, and the bedrock in selected places east of Los Angeles. The rocks match. They match more so in geochemistry and Precambrian zircons and all sorts of other geochemical signatures, almost like going in and getting your blood checked, you know, and they give you a whole long list of um, stuff that's in your blood. (laughs) That's how much I know about biology, by the way. There's stuff in my blood. What's in my blood, dog? What's in my blood? What's in my blood? Tell me what's in my blood. Oh, HDLs? Hmm. Okay, that's a problem. LDLs? Yeah, problem. Okay. So there's this geochemical reporting by Stacia Gordon and others, and there's a very convincing case that the Swakane gneiss of central Washington and the Polona schist, the Rand schist, the Orocopia schist, Same stuff. Now, what I was trying to say a couple minutes ago is that it would be very nice for a... I said it again. Wouldn't it be better and more convincing to a general audience like yourselves... And we had a nice in Southern California and a nice in Central Washington, and it's the same stuff and it looks identical. Well, it's not exactly the same as the way it looks, and therefore it's, it's called a schist in Southern California and a nice in, uh, in uh, Central Washington. But let's ignore the fact that we've got two very different rock labels and embrace the fact that there is so much in common between those two units. And who cares? Who cares that there's identical rock in Southern California and Central Washington? Well, you know why we should care. If it's the same stuff, and it was all together once upon a time, that is what I'm saying. I'm saying that the Swakane was not deposited And created in Washington. I'm saying that original sandstone between ninety-three and eighty-one million years ago was down in Southern California. And I'm saying the geologic elevator went down. Actually, am I? I gotta think about that for a second. No, never thought about that till right now. Let's hold off on that. I'll revisit that. The main point is we had a bunch of arcosic sandstone between 93 and 81 million years ago in today's Southern California. That's the protolith for the Swokane Gneiss. The stuff goes down the geologic elevator, comes back up. And today, that Swokane Gneiss is part of that massive amount of material in Southern Cal that got shifted north from Southern California to Central Washington, part of the Baja B.C. movement. And you're just like, no way, I don't believe that. That's impossible. It's not impossible, first of all. If you look at any sort of basics of plate tectonic history along the American West Coast, there's all sorts of crazy amounts of motion. So that that's not a problem. And you can do some basic math to figure out rate of plate motion and and plates moving at certain directions at certain times. That it, it's it, even the most harsh critic of Baja B.C. would admit that the plates have um, the plate velocities and and the amount of translation, meaning movement north, uh, is a major theme in the American West at this time. And Baja B.C. is bracketed pretty carefully between eighty-five and fifty-five million years ago between 85 and 55 million years ago is when we do this Mexico to British Columbia stuff, or in our case today, a little bit more modest transport between Mojave Desert in Southern California and Central Washington. Daddy's fired up now. But the Precambrian kosher salt grains that are mixed in are a significant part some would say a smoking gun for the Baja BC concept. And this can to be tough to do in the, f- the remaining few minutes that we have, but I'll try. The Precambrian zircons in the swakane gneiss have the same signature as the Precambrian zircons in the POR schists. Again, that's Polona, Orocopia, and Rand in the Mojave Desert, east of Los Angeles. Where did those Precambrian zircons come from? They're not part of the original protolith of the Swakane or the P.O.R. Schists. The answer is they came from the east. They came from the metamorphic craton, the oldest part of North America. And rivers, rivers, draining and eroding North American Craton, that old basement rock of North America, got crumbled, zircon is durable, the rivers hauled those kosher salt, pre-Cambrian zircon grains from east to west and dumped them in that basin that today is the Swakane Gneiss in the POR Schist down south. The key question then, since we're talking about Baja B.C. suddenly, is which portion of the North American Craton are we taking the kosher salt grains from? And there's a group of scientists that say, well, for sure, that is the Mojave area. In other words, it's a portion of the Precambrian North American Craton due east of Southern California. Uh, And there's another group that say, we've got some Precambrian metamorphic craton exposed in central Idaho. So why can't the Swakane have kosher salt grains from the craton exposed in Idaho as opposed to the craton exposed in Southern California? We'll leave that right now. And revisit, I think, as a theme in the next few episodes, more and more mounting evidence for Baja BC. Next time we might do the Nanaimo sandstone, which we have a similar kind of kosher salt story in the Nanaimo. So I'll leave that uh, thread uh, of, of Baja BC for now. Let me circle back and, and revisit for just a couple minutes the new thought I had with you right now this morning. The timing of the geologic elevator going down, again I'm looking at my cheat sheet, 74. Uh, the, the the Arcosic sandstone got finished depositing 81 million years ago, and by 74 million years ago, according to Stacia's group now, with all that detailed work that she her group does, the schedule sorry, sorry, the Swakane nice went down the geologic elevator and was down there between 74 and 50. My new thought is, are we moving the Swakane north while it's at the bottom, while the elevator is down? I never thought about that till right now. Again, Baja, I know this is getting nasty now. Tough to follow. The Baja BC story is 85 to 55. Presumably we're in that window, 85 to 55 million years ago, the Swakane's coming north if you're a Baja BC person like I am. I guess we got the Swak... We have to. We have to have that Arcosic sandstone down deeper than 20 miles. And while the elevator is down, we're moving the stuff north because it's not coming back up to the surface until 50. And the Swakane's here in, at Wenatchee, 50 between 50 and 45 million years ago. Wow, interesting, interesting. Well, we all learned something today. And you're like, this sounds pretty half-baked, man. I'll admit it's not, it's half-baked. It's a work in progress for me personally. But the fact that just north of Wenatchee, you can go to some of those subdivisions north of Wenatchee, what is it, a... Uh, uh, Easy Street, there's literally literally a street called Easy Street in Wenatchee, and then you're heading up towards Birch Mountain, whatever, and there's all these new fancy homes. Huge homes. Where do people get their money? Huge homes with kind of some uh, folks who don't like white uh, vans from schools showing up in their neighborhood. so they're pretty hostile. That's always fun. But I was told about some exposure to the Swakane Nice north of those uh, mansions uh, up Birch Martin Ma- Mountain Road. So for a couple of years, I used to take field trips up there, and we'd all pile out, and we just walk through people's, I guess it was their private land, so they got all mad. But anyway, it's a place where everybody walked their dogs and stuff, and there's beautiful wildflowers in the spring, and there's great exposures of the Swakane Nice. Why would I take? What are you guys doing out here? What? Where, where are you from? Oh, from uh, Ellensburg. What? How many vans you got? Four. Who? Who told you you could come here? Well, I don't know. Talk to Brent Cunderley. He said this place he walks his dog. He's a geologist in town. There's some Swakane up there. Can't we just walk up there? It's all. Isn't this public land? No. It's, hell, no. It's not public land. Okay. We're up here learning. Are you okay with us learning a few things? No, absolutely not. This is my land. I pay taxes. Oh, okay. All right. So it's that spot or it's this place that smells like urine next to the uh, Columbia River. Good luck, everybody. All right. There's other exposures of the Swakane nice. I encourage you to look at a geologic map. Find a couple of places to go see this stuff. It's not that handsome as far as nices go, but I hope that you're starting to see the significance in a tectonic uh, kind of setting, the significance of how the Swakane nice is not just a dinky little a colorful dot on a geologic map from central Washington. It is one of the major units that continues to be studied to understand movement along the entire west coast of North America. And we will continue that theme next time. I think I just decided. Nanaimo Sandstone. In the next episode of this podcast. Dear listener, thank you for joining us today. Glad that this could be part of your life. Maybe just the sound of my voice helps you fall asleep. Thank you, I love you, and goodbye. Night-night.